Welcome back to Soulback. This is the R&B Podcast. Kyle here, back with Ed. Ed, what is going on? What's up, player? I am here. I am ready for 2020 to be over because there is too many human beings on this planet working my last nerve. Is everybody crazy? Everybody. Well, I don't know if anyone's crazy, but uh, there's a lot of entanglements going on. Oh my god, here we go. Out of the gate we're going to go here. Well, Ed, you majored in journalism, so you know all about the big words. <laughs> Did you expect entanglement oh my god. to be utilized as much as it has been this week? Oh, of course I did, because what we have to, whatever joke comes down, we have to run it into the ground. I have already seen entanglement videos, I've seen entanglement songs, I've seen entanglement Pokemon. We're doing too much, y'all. Wow. (laughs) Um, And then what else is new this week, Ed, is the NBA. They are currently in a bubble in Disney World. I'm not sure if you've yep. seen the pictures and the memes that are going on with their food and what they're being served, but it was very Firefest-esque. No, I didn't see the food that they were served. They had pictures of what they were eating? Yeah, so uh, I think it was a, a notch above the Firefest, but oh, it, God. it was a lot of like what you would get at like an air, airplane. Like when you sit on an airplane and they give you food, it was so, like that quality. So you're getting cheese sandwiches and, and peanuts for your meal? Yeah. These million-dollar athletes are getting basically school lunches from preschool. We got to do better. Rona has Essentially. made everyone. It's my point. Rona's got everybody crazy. But then the argument that some people are saying is you should be grateful that you have food because most of America or some of America doesn't. Well, play. Listen. <laughs> yes, you should be grateful you have food. But you can also say that the food that I have is garbage. You can do two things. And strangely enough, while you know some of the regular NBA players were eating their ham and cheese sandwiches, LeBron, out of nowhere, was eating fish tacos, and no one know where they came from. Well, it's LeBron. He's going to have some tacos in his back pocket somewhere. This is not to be surprised. Yep. <laughs> so, Ed, a lot of new music to talk about this week. Uh, yeah. A lot of a lot of new releases came out here, so we want to get through all of it. Um, due to the fact that there was so much music, I'm not sure how much we can really, really cover, but I know you got through most of it. I listened to a bunch of it, too, so, I mean, we got to get started first with Avant. He came back with a new album, Can We Fall In Love? And, Ed, I got to say, um, it's just nice to see an artist come back. You know, some might call it safe, but I just say he's in a comfort zone, and I'm happy that Avant is back, and he didn't deviate too much from his sound, and I'm just happy Avant's back. I'm happy he's back, too, especially since half of y'all tried to put him in a grave about a year or so ago. Remember the whole Avant's gonna die thing, because (laughs) it was some poorly lit photo from Instagram, and everybody was going nuts. Anyway, yes, you're right. Um, and you can check out my review of Avant's new album on Soul and Stereo. We got the review up yesterday, so check that out. But to your point, I agree. Like, it's a nice album. It does a good job of returning him to his sound. There are a couple places where he branches out. But for the most part, it is pretty safe. Like, I mean, it's what you would expect, but it doesn't venture out too far. 
And because it was so safe, a lot of times I feel like it kind of gets stuck in a groove and doesn't hit that next level. So I know shout out to our boy Derek Dunn. He checked it out. He reviewed it. He thought it was one of Avant's best albums ever. I didn't mm. like it that much. Right. But I will say that it was a solid return to form and just shows that he's got a little bit of gas left in the tank. So good for the homie there. Yeah, and I don't know what it is, whether it's just being scorned by R&B releases these days or the fact that R&B has changed so much, but I think my outlook on R&B and these releases has, you know, altered a little bit. I I no longer want game-changing music from these veterans because I don't think they're really even in the mindset to do that. I think someone like Avant has established his legacy and just adding on to it with another solid release, to me, and this is just me, I think that's all you can really ask for from these artists. And it's better that they put out something that is reminiscent of the stuff that we grew up loving as opposed to something that's way left field and we just don't like at all. Yeah, I kind of, I'm both ways on this because a part of me, the reviewer in me, and I talked about this on my Instagram earlier this week. I have not given an album a five-star review since 2012. We are mm. going on almost 10 years before I gave something a full song. Now, we had a couple that came close, but nothing has been a full review, a full five stars. And as a reviewer, that makes me sad, especially when I look a few years previous where five stars were, I wouldn't say they were common, but they weren't that uncommon. And you had to go years between releases. So I want somebody to give me like that album that's like incredible and sticks with us. However, to your point, a lot of times fans, when it comes to these legacy artists, we talk about, Avon is a good example. And we've talked before about Jodeci and people like that who has given us all this great music over the decades. We can't expect them to come back in 2020 and mm-hmm. sound like they sounded 10 or 20 years ago. That's not fair to them. They aren't in the same place. We age. Sorry, you youngins. You're going to get old like the rest of us. But there are different factors that makes you not being able to perform at that elite level that you were in your prime. So, yeah, I feel you. I want something that's solid. I don't want something that just craps on your legacy. But the fan in me wants somebody to give me a five-star album because it looks like it's getting harder and harder. I feel like we're never going to get back there at this point. <laughs> and you know what, Ed? I honestly don't think an artist wants to do anything groundbreaking at this point. They just want to put out their album, promote it, and just move on. Because someone like Avon, his his legacy, like I said, is already established. And I think at this point, it's more so about just giving back to your fans. And that's one of the records that stood out to me. I, I don't remember what it was called. It was like Nothing Without You. I think that was the record. I think that was, yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Yep. Yeah, that had a really cool vibe to it. And uh, there was a record with Robert Glasper that was pretty cool, too. Yeah, I like that one, too. Again, this was a solid project. I'm not saying at all, like, oh, here, hey, this and something right. else. No, I'm not saying that at all. It's a very solid project. I was hoping, the second half, I felt like, is when he tried to do a couple different things. Mm-hmm. Some of it worked, some of it didn't. It's whatever. But that first half, we talking about that Robert Glasper um, track, some of the earlier songs, yep. they are straight up vintage Avant, and it really worked. And to your point, just give us Avant. I would rather take Avant than Avant pretending to be future. Then I got a problem. <laughs> it's funny because we've been saying that about Jagged Edge for the last two or three years now. They've been getting their future sound on, adding a little, little bit of auto-tune. 
hasn't really connected with any of us, to be honest. The Layover album, it wasn't for us. And some of these more recent releases haven't been for us. But Ed, they returned back to the back to form. They reunited with B Cox. The record Season of Us. It's either Season of Us or Seasons of Us. Um, the single cover is spelled Season of Us, but the album track listing says Seasons of Us. I don't know what I'm gonna have on my uh, on my on my iTunes, but what is the right way to spell it, Ed? <laughs> well, I was I was confused by this too because I was like, are we talking about seasons or season? I thought it was season. It seems like it should be without the plural, but I don't know what these dudes are going for. I am glad that whatever they were going for sonically actually works for the first time in a long time. Of all the JE records we've had, and you know I've been very critical of some, and I mean me as an ET Bowser, tweet me there, leave Tom and Kyle alone. Mm-hmm. They didn't say this. But my point is, this record of all of them sounds the most like a Jagged Edge song. I'm not saying it's promise. I'm not saying it's top level JE. It's not got to be. But it sounds like them, and I'm just appreciative that we finally have a song that sounds like them and not a computer program trying to sound like them. Yeah, so they more most recently announced their album. Uh, no release date yet. I don't know if the album is ever going to come out at this point. A fan asked Brian on Instagram, and he replied with, the album will be out when it's out. (laughs) I don't don't know when it's coming out, Ed. (laughs) Brian and Brandon, if you ever want somebody to run your social media account, put those two on, because good Lord, their social media bedside manner is something else. (laughs) I love it. Just keep the information as private as possible, and once it drops, it drops. I but guess. they did—they did release the track list. I think it's thirty songs. B. Cox is on it. Jermaine Dupri is on it, and then a couple of new producers, probably some from the uh, the newer records that we've heard. Ed, a thirty-song project from Jagged Edge. I mean, I think from our interview with Wingo a couple years back, he said this was his way to thank his fans. For you know, being with the group for that long, but thirty songs is a lot of songs, and I don't know if a '90s R&B group can pull that off. That's a lot of music. Yeah, let me go on another one of my rants because there's this mentality, and I've seen it a lot, especially from younger fans who say the artists like they we deserve to have more music, and right. we deserve to have this. I don't want more music. I want better music. This ain't McDonald's when they put extra fries in your bag. And you're like, ooh, I got hooked up. I got with an extra pack of fries. Like, it doesn't work like that with music. Giving me an extra 30 songs is not going to make me love the 30 you gave me previously more. That's just going to jumble it up. Right. Unless you're that good that you can every song you drop is an absolute smash. Nobody's that good. I can't think of anybody who has. Give me your best. If your best, if you record 50 songs and you got nine bangers, you give me a nine track album. Do not give me a 50 track album. That's too much. I'm losing it. I feel like that artists need to get back to the days of, and I know it's different. I know we got streaming. I know Cousin Chris, we got to throw everything out here so y'all can stream all of it and you can have 74 number one hit records and then you can, you got everybody beating. James Brown and Elvis and all these records being broken because of streaming, which is a little suspect to me. However, I'm just here for quality. As a reviewer, I want quality. I do not want quantity. 
So they can drop 30 songs, but if you they get mad at me because I only like two, that was on them. That was not a treat to me. It may be a treat to other fans, mm-hmm. not a treat to me. Well, let me ask you this, because Nelly did this back in 2004. He had that sweat and suit dual album. One side mm-hmm. was more of his R&B stuff. The other side was more of his rap, hip-hop stuff. What if, and I'm not saying this is true because I, I don't know, but what if this Jagged Edge double album, 30 songs, 15 songs are more of that trappy future sound that they've been doing, and then the other 15 are more reminiscent of you know the Seasons of Us record? How would you even review that? Would you just... I think Tyrese did something like that with Alter Ego. It was half rap, half R&B. Like, how do you review this one? Can we just look at the R&B side and pretend that the trap stuff doesn't exist? No, you can't do that. If it's a package, if it's a package. If you get a plate of Thanksgiving food and half of it is delicious turkey and dressing and the other half is chitlins and garbage, then your meal is nasty. Like, you can't pretend the second half don't exist. (laughs) But I will say this, because what you're saying is a little different than what I'm saying. You're talking about a double album. And that's what this J.E. project is. It's a double album. That's a little different than one of Cousin Chris's bloated playlists. That's not a double album. That's just a content dump. That's a problem. So, no, I have no problem with a double album if it's well done. Um, We had Music Soul Child. He had a double album not that long ago. And it was well done because it was consistent. In the hip-hop realm, we had Big Crit. And what he did is one side was like kind of more, I don't want to say trappy, but kind of more the turn-up type of songs. It was yep. more the club bangers, I guess is a better way to put it. And then the second half was more the introspective, the kind of thoughtful hip-hop. And as a package, it worked because you had one side that was one sound, one side that was another sound. So if J.E. decided to have like the club joints and the more classic ballads, that's cool, but you better make sure both columns are even. You can't have two good songs here, two good songs here, and then 13 garbage songs on both sides. It's going to be too much. So mm. if you're going to do it, do it, but be consistent. See, Ed, I miss the days when EPs and albums were different because they're all the same now. But I remember the rapper yeah. B.O.B., I think it was, like his albums would always have that poppy sound to it like with that Bruno Mars record, and then it was his EPs that were more of that rap, hip-hop element. So we can't do that anymore since EPs and, and albums are the same, but I thought that was pretty brilliant of B.O.B. back in the day. I used to like it, even um, for all his faults, as much as, you know, up and down, Lil Wayne, you know, I, I sometimes I love him, sometimes I say I want to choke him. But there was a day where when you got a Lil Wayne mixtape, you knew what you were going to get, and it was going to be a different sound in the radio stuff. And I like that distinction. Now, to your point, everything is everything. Mixtape, EP, LP, whatever, doesn't matter. So it gets mixed up. But I do miss having distinguished sounds, so you kind of know what you're getting into with a project. Yeah. And speaking of distinguishing albums, JoJo, Ed, I got to give JoJo a shout-out. She dropped Good to Know back in may and now she's put Mm -hmm. out the acoustic version of good to know and ed i gotta say i am really impressed with this acoustic album you know me i'm not a big fan of pianos and and no drums and just singing but jojo (laughs) oh my god jojo did her thing on this and what i love about is about it is it sounds like she put time and effort into it it wasn't something she just threw together and released it to the fans like this is something that was professionally done and it makes me wonder why don't more artists do stuff like this because i feel like this kind of gives the album 
new life. Because for most albums, it only lasts like two weeks before we're on to something else. But JoJo reintroducing her album in a different type of sound, but similar enough to where people can go back and listen to the original as well, I thought it was brilliant by her. See, it's funny that you said, you said, I wish more artists could do this. What you all, what you're saying without saying is that you wish more artists took time to put care into their craft instead of just throwing it out and running away. I see, this is why y'all have to, if you're listening and you're not on Facebook, well, I can understand if you're not on Facebook, it's whatever. But if you are on Facebook, you need to be in the Soul and Stereo Cypher on Facebook. Just put Soul and Stereo Cypher in that search bar. And come join us because a couple days ago we had this very conversation. Someone asked about remix albums. And that was mm-hmm. something that was very prominent in the 90s. An album would come out and it would be a hit album. You would take that album you would remix all the songs, re-release it. It would get new life to it. And that's what reminds this, pro- this JoJo project reminds me of. You know, I'm a big acoustic dude. I haven't heard this yet because I was so busy catching up on all the other new music that came out. But I liked her album already. I know I'm going to like this project, and I guarantee you when I listen to this acoustic album, there will be songs on this acoustic project that I like way more than I liked on the original. So that's going to allow me to stick with JoJo a little bit longer and not just listen to the two or three songs, the song My Man, and I forget about the other song, the Think About You or Think About Us, whatever it's called. Yep. Those songs that I continually go back to, now I'm going to go back to some more songs. That is how you do it. Props to JoJo for actually using her platform wisely and prolonging the life of her album. This is how you do it, y'all. When you're like, I don't know what to do. You put out an album, it's just gone. I don't know what to do. (laughs) You do what they did back in the day. You continue to continue to get that life going by putting more eyeballs back on the original project. JoJo knows what she's doing. I wonder how much JoJo was in- influenced and inspired by PJ Morton, who I think did a fantastic job with the Gumball Project. That was an acoustic album as well, and that did really well. And I see all the time on my Twitter, people still listen to that one. She was just on his piano album, I think it was called, the one yep. that was came out earlier this year. So it would yep. not be surprising to me that there was a little bit like, hmm, I'm gonna try that. Listen, I am all. I know I come from the era of hip hop where. If you steal somebody else's idea, you get run out of the game because biting is the worst offense possible. Right. But listen, be inspired by the good ideas and go mm-hmm. and y'all go remix some of these albums and get some acoustics on it and do something different so people can revisit your project. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, and I would love to see and this is a challenge to all my R and B people out there. Uh not including Tank because he actually did it. He dropped While You Wait and Worth the Wait. Um couple months back and those are piano albums and they sounded great as well but i challenge more veteran r&b artists to put out these unplugged acoustic albums because i don't feel like we got the opportunity to hear that from these guys because they were so busy creating albums and which we love we love those albums but right now might be a perfect time especially with no concerts going on this might be a perfect time for you guys to record it put it out and have us almost pretend like we're in a concert because that's better than nothing right now. I'm I'm stuck here watching YouTube clips. <laughs> I mean, think of an artist like a Luke James. Here's yeah. an artist that had a good album earlier this year. Nobody remembers it. Just being real. Don't nobody remember his album. People, I put it on my best albums of the half year and people are like, I forgot all about this album. Yep. Imagine if he put out a remix album. 
or a acoustic album. Or if it's just he just sitting at the house playing piano, tell PJ to come by, play the piano, and he just sings all over it. Brings new life to that original project we forgot about. And we ain't doing nothing else except watching YouTube and watching Red Table Talk. Put something <laughs> else out there to get your name and voice in here. This is what I was talking about a couple of weeks ago when certain artists who will remain nameless were screaming about, well, I'm just going to have a concert because I got to make my money. There are other ways to get the bag than just dragging people into Corona, and this is a way to do it. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Ed, how would Keith Sweat sound in an unplugged concert? Would he be gyrating oh, still? He, no, first of all, yes, the hips would never stop lying. <laughs> so, yes, that would be going down. There would be plenty of babies thrown around. And he's actually had a – he doesn't do it often, but I know on his Christmas album, it's like him and just a piano, and I thought it works well. So that's something he hasn't explored much. But, yeah, Keith could do it. He could do it no problem. He's a jack-of-all craze. That's what happens when you're a king player. I love it. it <laughs> so, Ed, a couple more records I want to talk about from some new female acts here. Snow Allegra, Dying for Your Love, Summer Walker's Life on Earth EP, and hers new reggae record, Due to Me. Did you hear any of these ones? I actually heard all three. And? What stood out? Okay. We'll start with your girl, her. Um, you know, I've been critical in the past, really, couple years at this point. Why? Even though I'm a big fan, you know, our boy Tom is... Kind of back and forth on her, but we're the we're the her fans of the group. Yep, and I like her, but I feel like that she's getting a little stale. Everything's starting to sound the same, so this is an opportunity for her to put a little different sound to it. Yep. So she's got the she's got the the reggae side. She's riding with the rhythms. She got the rhythms <laughs> going, and it's okay. It doesn't work as well as it probably would have on paper, but I do appreciate the the thought behind it. Because she does definitely, she's in dire need of refreshing her sound. So I get where she was going. Don't yeah. quite work for me, but it's not horrible. And then we got Snow Allegra, and I listened to this song, and it's not that it's a bad song, Ed, but melodically it sounds very similar to one of the songs off her last album, and that kind of threw me off, because it just reminded me too much of that song. I agree. I was very excited of all the projects, even the Before Obama, of all the projects that came out this past Friday. That was the first one I ran into, because I'm a big Snow fan. And I liked it okay. Like, it's a solid song, but... It just feels more the same. It feels like a song from the previous project that just like didn't make the cut or something. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, here's this unreleased song. I like it, but it's not something I would revisit very much. I liked it more than the Her song. I liked it more than most songs I heard this past Friday. But not anything that's like, oh, that's that's song of the year. Not not really. Yeah, I think it sounded like Love Like That. That was the record that... um. When I listen to him, like it sounds very similar melodically. Love that song, and yes, their similarities are there. This is kind of like a lesser version of that. And I think that actually, when I hear that and I can identify that, it really takes away from the experience. Like even with that JoJo record, man, it sounded so much like Keanu Lade's X that I couldn't listen to Man. But thanks to this acoustic release that just came out, I can listen to it now because it doesn't remind me of X anymore. It's kind of weird. Huh, I, I need to hear this. I really got to hear this acoustic joint. I'll probably do that when I get off of this video. Yeah. She was good with that. And then the last one that came out was Summer Walker's Life on Earth, which I think was Music oh, Soulchild's boy. album title as well. But, Ed, you know what's crazy? I'm looking at social media. No one's praising this album. 
just last year when Summer dropped over it, people were going nuts, but the hype seems to have died down. Maybe it's because it's an EP and it came out of nowhere, but I'm not seeing the same love. Or maybe because there is the bloom is coming off the rose on this thing. Let me tell you about your girl, Summer. First of all, this child so lazy, she just named the album after a music album instead of coming up with a different name. Come on now. I know people like this for some reason. I don't know why. And I do know why. Because we've been conditioned to learn that this is what R&B sounds like. I was listening to this EP. And first of all, it wasn't even that long. But it felt mm-hmm. eternal. My problem with it, and I realize this is my problem with like Party Next Door was on it. Basically that whole crew or like yep. all on this, this record. And my problem is that this brand of R&B is not melodic at all. Like it's just, mm-hmm. it sounds like I'm going to do some auto, I'm going to auto tune rap. Except very slowly yep. over some like vibey beats. Like that isn't really an R&B song. A lot of these songs just sound like a Megan Thee Stallion record slowed down. Like it doesn't do anything. There is no connection. Earlier this year when K. Michelle was talking about how like there's no emotion in music. There's no feeling. That's what this is. It's just I feel like she's just saying words and then someone else is saying words. And then it's a beat and people can vibe to the beat. And there's she's saying stuff that I guess you can relate to if you're at that point in your life or your relationship. Mm-hmm. But as far as a good song, these are not good songs. This is not a good EP. I like, there was an EP that Summer Walker had well before the hype came along. Yep. And yep. I thought that was okay, but every release since then gets worse and worse and worse. And I could not sit through these five songs. Lord help us when she drops another LP. I ain't going to be able to do it. Yeah, Ed, because when I listen to this EP, and I'm probably a bigger Summer Walker fan than you are, um, and I agree, some of her oh, earlier yeah, EPs, some of her earlier EPs were were pretty solid. Her her debut album, I think a lot of people loved it. Uh, a lot of people didn't like it. I thought it was okay. It had some solid songs on there, but this one, I feel like, and I'm sure you can agree with me on this. Summer Walker is not a bad singer. Like she can actually sing. But her usage of clean auto- this up before I talk. Bro. Well, her usage of auto tune really makes it hard for me to defend that case because I I've seen Summer live and she can hold a note, but that auto tune man, it's so unnecessary. Well, may it could be one of these T Pain situations. Whenever I start talking about my dislike for T Pain, the first thing people do is start flooding my timeline with links. Was so like, see, he can sing. He sang on this. Ellen show. Well, it doesn't matter if he's singing on not his records. And on his records, he's Megatron. Like, I'm judging you by the content that you present. And if the music that you're presenting is not melodic and you ain't singing, you just robo-talking, I'm going to say it's trash. Now, she might be able to sing. She might be blowing up the church choir. It'll be off the chain. But everything I've heard in the past two or three years specifically... Hot garbage. I'm going to need her to step them vocals up. And I know this is 2020. I know don't nobody want to sing like Kelly Price. Nah, 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 that's old stuff. Whatever. You can still sing. You can still be melodic. Go listen to the Snow song. Go listen to her song. And you can still use your instrument 
without sounding so flat and dead and boring. Like, it's just boring. Yeah. Shout out to Summer. We're glad you're back. Thought you had retired for uh, a minute, One but. of us. <laughs> one of us is. But uh, she's back now. And Ed, your conversation has been very interesting. Um, you brought up, brought up a couple of keywords here. Melody and vibes. And our good friend Jonte Austin recently made a tweet. I'm not sure if hmm. you saw this tweet. But he it. said something along the lines of vibes is just a word that you guys use as a cop-out. And he pretty much just said when him and Beacox made Be Without You by Mary J. Blige, they weren't calling it a vibe. They were calling it a hit. And that's what we should be striving for, hit records, not vibes. Oh, my God. I'm going to go back and find that and retweet it a thousand <laughs> times. Because that's a, when I say it, y'all call me a hater. Now, this man has a Grammy golden pen, so don't call him a hater. Just say just say we're both telling the truth, because he's saying what I'm saying. You're mad, mad at me, you're mad at him. And he's got more money than you, since y'all judge everything by money. And, and I, I would say that I agree with John Tate. Like, back in the day, in our era, everything was judged off of, is it a hit? Is it going to be a smash? And I think a lot has changed due to streaming, radio not being as important, but there is a difference between listening to a song and feeling like, man, this could be something, versus, oh, this is this is cool, like, I like the vibe of it. It's, it's a different feeling, and I feel like we need to get back to hits. Well, it goes back, a lot of this is a lot deeper because it's a society issue, Yeah. unfortunately, and thank God. I mean, I know this is worldwide, but it's even worse here in the States. you lucky, you stay up there where it's cold and not as crazy. But we live in this culture currently where it's not really about talent. It's like, do, do we like you? Do we, if we like you, we will defend you. We will find ways to make your music work for us we'll find anything we'll find any excuse to make it work for you so it's not even so much about talent because if someone's talented and we don't know you or we're not connected to you we immediately write it off we're like oh i don't know who that is but if i like you because you're funny or because you're pretty or because you have a style that i aspire to be especially on social media Oh, it's okay that you can't really sing because you got we got the vibes, and I can manufacture ways that I like you without even having tangible ways. If I ask somebody, "What do you like about Summer Walker?" The what would they say? They would say, "Oh, she cool." Oh, I like her vibe. That's mm-hmm. it. They would not say that she's a fantastic singer or that she's a fantastic writer or that her production is great. Or but it's all it's all just surface stuff. And unfortunately, we have gotten to this place in our society and music where that's how we judge stuff. Oh, I'm mm. on one today. <laughs> you are. Um, speaking of vibes, Joe Scott's debut album celebrates its 20th year anniversary this yes. year. And um, even then, like when that album came out, I don't think anyone was calling it a vibe. It was definitely a different sound, but people felt that. It, it hit you in a different way. And... Some of those records did end up being hits, too. So, Ed, what do you remember about that album when it came out? I remember that was... That had to be, like, summer of... 2000. Maybe 2000. Yes, 2000. Because I remember it was right before I was going into, like, my final college years. So this was, like, probably right before my 
like the second or third to my end of my semester. So I was like wrapping up my college year. So when I think of Jill, when I think of Music Soul Child, the emerging, really, Neo Soul era, all those albums that came out 2000, 2001, I think I'm out like the end of my college years. So when I think of that, I think of A Long Walk and Jill Scott. I remember she came out of, she's one of these artists, light music. It kind of came out of nowhere with this super soulful sound that really resonated with people. And it was really, not strange, but it was kind of refreshing to see because we're coming off of kind of, the, think about the bad boy era of R&B and the so-so death where it's more of a mix of hip-hop along with the R&B standards. This is like just straight up soul and these artists are coming out and Jill was one of those kind of leading that charge that was like, here's this woman that's so relatable. The girls in my college just loved her because she was so relatable. She looked like them. She didn't look like this supermodel skin. She was gorgeous. But she wasn't like 90 pounds with like the super short crop stuff like Aaliyah used to wear. She was just like a girl that was around the way that Mm -hmm. was talking about how she would fight you with some Vaseline. But she was real soulful and real genuine in her delivery. I think that's why that album has been so resonant to so many people. Because it came at a time where you saw an artist who really looked and sound like you. And she was able to speak for so many women. Yeah, and I would say the difference between this album versus some of what we call vibes today, right, is that normally when you listen to a record and you say it's a vibe, that's probably the only thing that stands out about the record. You're not talking about the vocals. You're not talking about the nope. harmonies, the lyrics, nope. the catchiness. None of that is you know factored in, but you just love the sound. This Jill album has all of that and it still has a nice vibe to it and at the last album that i would say kind of fit all of that and i don't know if you agree with me but one that was a vibe plus more was hers debut ep like that's the first one that comes to mind for me for that generation yeah yeah. and i would add on to that i would add daniel caesar's album onto it as well i remember when all those came out I kind of, and I didn't really try to speak this into existence because I didn't want to jinx it. I felt like we were kind of getting like this neo-soul part two renaissance Mm -hmm. because we had these super young artists all in their early 20s, all trying to recapture soul a little bit. It wasn't a carbon copy of what we saw in 2000, but it was a different type of sound that was soulful, but it had harmony, but it had strong writing. It was vibes with substance, and that's what I loved about what they were doing. It seems like we've kind of like hit a wall with that because it seemed like those artists that were doing their thing, now we've kind of slid off a little bit. Maybe it'll pick back up. We got time. But that's why I was so encouraged by that sound. And when her and Daniel Season, and probably a couple others I'm forgetting, yep. we really started around 2016, 2017 doing their thing. So, Ed, i got to ask you a couple of questions here before we uh, move on here. These are two internet rumors that are happening here. Um, oh, God. Rumors. But they're good rumors here. Uh, the, okay. fir- the first rumor I heard was that Adele will be going into the studio with Raphael Sadiq for her next album. Will R&B fans accept this? Oh, please, no. R&B fans. Well, I'll put it like this. There will be two sides. There will be one camp of R&B fans who will be like, I'm here for good music. This is going to be good music. Raphael, Sadiq, Adele, you got to 
trusted producer and an incredible vocalist. Gonna be hits. Yes. But then there's gonna be the side that's gonna scream appropriation and scream, what are you doing in our genre? And you're taking eyes away from our people. Mm. So it's the usual class that's always been the eternal war. I am on the first side. I just want good music. I know that Adele can be divisive for a lot of reasons, but look, I want something hot. And if she's going in the studio with hot producers, we're going to get something hot. That's all I care about. Especially this year when y'all have given me nothing but cold leftovers for these album reviews. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a pandemic going on, Ed. You can't really expect new music to really be coming out. Actually, we had a conversation mm-hmm. about this off the air. We might have to reduce our list, um, our year-end list. It usually is 100 best songs of the year. We might have to reduce it to 50 just because nothing's coming out. I mean, it's true. And I don't want it to be 100 songs and like the the back 25 of those 100 are all like complete garbage. So you, know, you don't want to do a list just to do it. So yeah, it might have to be 50 this year unless y'all pick up the pace. <laughs> So, two more for you. I, I thought we only had two, but we actually had three. Uh, number two, okay. apparently, and this is floating around Twitter because a clip leaked, there's a new Ariana Grande song coming out, and it features Lucky Day. How big would that be for hmm. Lucky Day? That would be a big stepping stone for the homie. I would definitely be here for this. I know another, Ariana's another one that gets, you know, depending on the camp, she gets love, she gets hate. When Ariana is good, that chick is good. I really liked her, I guess it was her last album, the one with seven rings on it. I really liked that album. Yep. And I liked her debut album a whole lot. When she does the super poppy stuff, ugh. But her and Lucky Day could be really good. I'm interested in it. You don't want any bang bangs? No. keep. I love you, Jesse J. I love you, but y'all keep that mess. <laughs> um, and then the last rumor, which is actually now confirmed via his Twitter... Chris Brown has announced his new album, and it will be titer, titled, Ed, Breezy. He's going back to Breezy. Ed, I have a feeling this is a classic right here. I have a feeling we're going to be stuck with like 75 new songs. This is the album where they said, and someone had sent me this link too, because people like torturing me. I think someone said that it's going to be one of those alter ego albums, like Black Tie and, and Tyrese. Oh, That's no. the word I heard. Breezy is his rap alter ego? I didn't know this. Th- oh, but this player, this is just what I was told. Let me, if, let me tell you this. If this alter ego actually has, if he has 75 tracks to that he's putting out, I'm about to peace out. I can't do it three times. <laughs> I did it for Heartbreak. I did it for Indigo. I can't review a third one. I would <laughs> not be here. I wouldn't make it to 2021. Man, shout outs to Breezy. Now, Ed, I got a question. No. <laughs> I got a question to ask you here. As we think about R&B records, last week we talked about songs that have aged well and songs that haven't aged well. I'm going to flip the question and ask this because Tank actually responded to it. And uh, I'm going to give you that story shortly. But what are some songs that hit differently when you actually go through the experience? Like a lot of those breakup records, they're just great songs. But when you actually go through a breakup and you hear those songs... It's like getting stabbed in the heart like a thousand times. (laughs) It's that bad. What are some songs like that for you? It's... I don't have any good breakup songs because 
I'm not gonna be like I've never broken up with anybody, but I haven't really had like a nasty breakup that would like make me mm. run into like the Mary J catalog and be miserable. Like that hasn't happened. I will say that there are a lot of songs like Floetry's first album mm. that when I first heard it in 2002, it's like okay, this is some dope songwriting for about love. But then when you get to that point in your life. Where you have someone that you can relate those songs to, and then you hear it, then you're like, "Okay, Marsha, okay, Flo Assist, okay, I see what y'all doing." So it does hit different. I haven't had any like rip your heart out heartbreak joint yet. Hopefully, I won't. <laughs> well, and I'll give you mine, and this might be toxic behavior. You might have to confirm this or not. But after my last breakup, I immediately like I'm saying like. After the breakup, after we met up and I got back in my car, I immediately went to my phone and played Sex, Love, and Pain. Mm -hmm. Is that toxic behavior? That is toxic play. Why would you do that to yourself? (laughs) No, that's terrible. I just felt like I needed that that pain. And um, one of those records that uh, obviously stand out when we talk about heartbreak is the record I Hate You. Because in the song he says, he used to love her and now he hates her. Ed, it doesn't oh get any gosh. sadder than that. You hate the woman that you used to love. It between that the um, the Mariah joint, I can't wait to hate you. The mm-hmm. Prince joint, I can't hate you. There's some evil songs out here, and Tank Song is one of them. Play it. Don't. Ugh, I feel like that you're in a better place now, so I can't. I can't nope. even criticize. I, I'm good you now. Do it now. But yeah, for those listening, y'all be careful with these hate songs you're listening to. It's just gonna <laughs> rile you up. Well, this is what Tank said. He actually replied to this tweet. He said, how about... he did. So, on the song I Hate You, he wrote, how about I married the the woman the song was about? Life is amazing that way. So, if he's okay with the record, I guess we should be too. Well, I'll give him props for that. So, like, yes, it is cool that that was a record he wrote during that time in that space, but... You know, things can change, and then he can have, like, his wedding song after that. So, like, there's ways that you can make it work. I appreciate that he was honest there. Yeah, I got to interview See, I'm giving props. I got to interview him and see what happens when that song goes on and they're together. Like, I'm sure they're past that now, but I can just imagine the tension and the weirdness, but maybe they're more mature than I am. Well, it might be a point where it's like, okay, skip to the next one. Like, they don't even let them. Once that beat hits, it's like, whoop, skip. Oh, that's a five-star song. I don't think you can skip that one. But they're be- oh, it's a great song, no question. They're better people than I am, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Ed, are we ready for the play of Please really quickly here? I got an idea where we're going with this this week, so go ahead. Um, well, we got two here. Um, can we talk a little bit more about this entanglement thing? No, that's <laughs> what I figured. Go ahead, player. Go ahead. Well... Listen, we're not a gossip site, so we're not going to get into all the tea here, but uh, Jada and Will spoke their part, and then August was in a bad mood. He started going at Kiki Palmer. Ed. Oh my god, this piece of garbage. Ed. I thought I was on August's side for a second, and I was on the sympathy tour, but man, it's tough for August, man. I I feel bad for him, but I don't feel bad for him anymore. First of all, do not feel bad for him. And again, this once again proves that old Grouch Ed knows what he's talking about. Because I told y'all weeks ago when this started what this was about. 
August, I mean, and to give a long story short for those two of you who have not heard the Will and Jada sadness, which was very pitiful, by the way. They had to drag poor Will Smith on TV, on Facebook TV, and have him teary-eyed describing his foolishness. Those two had a separation. During the separation, Jada and August started doing whatever, whatever. Jada, who was still married, decided to go back to her husband. Like, that's the story. That's their story. August throws a tantrum because he thought that the woman who was married to freaking Will Smith is going to be going to leave her, him, for this dude that had one song out with the gold on my neck and gold on my hands guy. Sorry, brother, you out of the league. Sorry. (laughs) You were rebound, dude. So he's in his feelings. And the only reason this came up, because this this happened years ago. This is years ago. Only reason this came up is because somebody was going on a promotional tour Mm. for the little Raggedy album. So now that he's been called out, what does he do? Now he goes to pick on Kiki because he's trying to keep his name out there. This all comes down to somebody trying to get attention for his album. You can be mad if you want to. You can go to E.T. Bowser and send me all kind of tweets. Leave Tom and Kyle alone. Leave him alone. This is on me. But my point is this. I told y'all that dude was about this promotional tool. That proves what this is about. And it's like, oh, oh, poor Jada is corrupting this poor child. That boy is 30 years old. It is nothing <laughs> to corrupt. And now he's messing with Kiki. Why are you messing with Kiki Palmer? Just hush. This A-Boy's account. Has it, somebody look at this. You're the master of the album sales, Kyle. Tell me where his album sales are, because they, I guarantee you, have not jumped from this foolishness. No, it wasn't in the top ten at Billboard, and that was what a lot of people were saying. They were like, you did all of that, and you couldn't even debut at top ten at Billboard? Was it worth it? Right. And all of this, and now you got poor Will, and that's who I feel the baddest for. Well, I feel bad for Jaden. Can you imagine being Jaden Smith and have your mom and daddy come on Facebook, talk about the time your mom was hooking up with your boy? It's terrible. But they had to. People are like, why did they talk about this? They had to because y'all kept bringing it up, bringing it up, bringing it up. Mm-hmm. So they felt like they had to clear the air, which in the force made it worse. And it all, you know who I blame? August and his little desire to sell some records. That's what it comes down to. Be mad at me or be mad at him. I don't care. Hmm. Shouts to August. The album is in stores now. And Ed. I ain't shouting him out. <laughs> The next play of please, this isn't really a play of please, this is more of a trivia. Alright? So, you know one of okay. my favorite groups is Pretty Ricky? Oh, please. Now... Alright, I guess. Do we refer to them as a hip-hop group or an R&B group? Funny you mention that. That came up in the Soul and Serial Cypher 2 this week. I don't know what they are. They are, to me... I mean, it's weird, because they... They seem like that their songs are R and B with like a bunch of rap features, but when you look at it, a lot of times it's more rap than singing. Prince of Peach is singing the hook, so I don't know what they are. That's a good question. Hmm. I think that's a good question for the people to answer. So let us know: Is Pretty Ricky an R and B yeah, group? So what do you think? Or hip hop group? But here's some trivia for you, Ed. The four members of Pretty Ricky. Can you name them? Absolutely not. I know Pleasure P. I know Spectacular. Them other little background dancers, I don't know who they are. Oh, so we have Slickem. Slickem Hound. Slickem? 
Slickum. Wait, 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 what? Wait, what? What was his name? Sli- Slickum? Slickum Hound. That's his name. Slickum Hound? That's his name. <laughs> Isn't that the frog that does the, um, the, what's the cereal with the frog on it? Wasn't his name Slickum? I think, yeah, I know what you're talking. No, but it's not him. <laughs> and then. Oh my god. And then the last one is Baby Blue. Well, at least he has a somewhat normal name. He's not Slickum. Slickum? And, I'm tripping off of Slickum. And then on on the second Pretty Ricky album, when they went platinum, he changed his name to Diamond Blue. Um, why is he Diamond? Now he sounds like a stripper. Like, Baby Blue was fine. Was he not a baby anymore? No, he grew up. He was Diamond Blue now. But now he's back to Baby Blue, I, so we're good. I never understand these rappers that want to be little something and baby something. Eventually, you're going to grow up. So, like, just don't be little, young, or baby. Like, just be an adult from jump. Maybe <laughs> you don't have to be, like, Diamondback Blue or whatever this guy's name is. All right. So, pretty Ricky trivia here, Ed. Of these four guys. Mm-hmm. And I just I just named them Pleasure P, Spectacular, Baby Blue, and Slickem Hound. Slickem. <laughs> All these four. Tr- uh, anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. Whose whose stage name is also their government name? I just named the four names there. I would certainly hope that Slickem isn't what his mama named him. But didn't Spectacular do something when he like changed his name into like his government name? Or something. Sound like something weird he would do. So the answer, Ed. Pleasure P's real name is Marcus Cooper. Right. Uh, Slickum's real name, I think, is like Corey Smith. It's something like that. But Slickum is not his real name. Well, thankfully, his name is not Slickum. They didn't name him after some motor oil. Okay, cool. Uh, Spectacular Smith's real name is Spectacular Smith. That thought so. I thought this weirdo changed his name to Spectacular. No, I think he was. Or born did he spectac- change his name? No, he was born his Spectacular. Name, he was born Spectacular. He's been Spectacular since day one, Ed. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. And, okay, all right. And then, Baby Blue, Baby Blue Smith. His real name, Ed, is Blue Smith. And he's named after his dad, whose name is also Blue. So hence why he is named Baby Blue. Well, see, Blue, that, okay. That, I get that. I sort of get it. But, Spe- are you for real? This dude's name is Spectacular for real. He's been Spectacular since day one, Ed. And now he, <laughs> and now he runs a multi-million dollar company. Well, I mean, there's a dude named Puff that names that runs a million dollar company. That doesn't do anything. I... <laughs> I have learned more about Pretty Ricky in the past five minutes than I think I have in the past 20 years. So we're not done. I don't know if I'm better or worse for this. We're not done yet. Oh, I wish we were. So Baby Blue uh, is married, engaged, or in a relationship with a lady named Red Spice, which apparently is her name. I don't know if it's her government name, but that's just what she That is not her government name. Claire, stop. She's not named after some Loris. Like, she is not no... (laughs) And and more interesting facts, um, Baby Blue just announced that uh, him and her are expecting a child, and they decided to name the child Dark Blue. Oh, 
Dark? Why didn't they name her Violet? Like, that would make sense. You got blue and you got red. Violet. That's That would have been cool. Why dark blue? I, like, that is, I, oh, I, my God. I, I thought that do was... Do I have to name babies now? Do I have to do everything now? The baby should be named Violet, not dark blue. I, I don't know. I think it's like... The name is actually Blue Dark Blue Smith. So... Wait. She's blue, but her middle name is Dark Blue? Yeah. So, like, my name is Edward and my middle name is Thomas. It would be like Edward Thomas Edward? Yeah. I I don't know. <laughs> I just, I'm very confused by this conversation. How, first of all, how did you know all this? Well, I, did, I did not know you were a pretty Ricky connoisseur to this level. Ed, I'm part of Media Takeout, if you didn't know that. TMZ, <laughs> all those websites, I, I'm part of it. Someone's going someone's gonna to use this clip and cite it. And we're going to miss out on millions of dollars for breaking this news, but it is what it is, Ed. I know. Somebody's going to... And then I feel like Spectacular is going to come sue me because I said that his name wasn't real, and apparently it's his real name. But I don't know about... I will say that the baby's name should be Violet. If I ever meet the baby, I'm going to call her Violet. Not blue, dark blue, whatever. These weird Crayola people. (laughs) They're from Florida, Ed. Uh, So... Anyways, Ed, I think that's it for R&B this week. What's going on with SoInStereo.com? Thank God that was it for R&B this week. But if you want some more R&B, check out SoInStereo. We have the review, as we talked about earlier, of our boy Avant, his new album. Check that out. Support our man. He's getting back in the game. And yes, he's still alive. So show him some love. My boy, um, Alex Goodwin, he stops by again, as he tends to do. And we have the next edition of Head to Head with Ed this time. About Ricky Ross Rose going on the ups and downs, good and bad of his story career. And then finally, it's this weird project that I've been doing on Facebook. So if you follow me on Facebook, like my personal Facebook page, about a week ago there was a conversation that came up that I had never seen these Pixar movies that everybody loves. Mm. And people were just flabbergasted that a grown man had not seen kids' movies. I know it's shocking. So what I had been doing every day on Facebook, I would watch a movie, and I would kind of leave my thoughts. Well, people are really into this Pixar thing. So what I've done is I've created a page on the site where you can see my reactions as I go through every day watching each of the Pixar movies. And if you know me, you know I have a lot of comments about these weirdo movies. So go check out Ed Watts' Pixar on soulandstereo.com too. Awesome. And on, you know, I got so, we got a couple more interviews lined up. I just interviewed, I think, Terry from In Vogue. So, a couple more coming up here. And after this podcast, I'm actually going to, since we're talking about entanglement, I'm going to analyze the song Lie About Us by Avant and Nicole Scherzinger because I'm pretty sure that song is about telling your side chick to just be patient because soon enough they'll be together. Can you confirm this off the top of your head? I'm pretty sure that's what it's about. There's a song, I think, on this new album that's sort of like that. Avant be saying some shady stuff now. You gotta be careful. Avant will sing and sound pretty, but if you listen to the lyrics, that boy be on some shady stuff. <laughs> and uh, there was another record by Avant. Do you remember the record, When It Hurts? It was like 2010. Oh yeah, I love that song. Yes, that that was off the um, the project. I can't remember the name of the album, but I love that album. So with that one, the chorus goes, can you love me even when it hurts? 
So at what point does it become yep. toxic, Ed? If you're talking about loving when it hurts, then that's the toxicity talking. <laughs> you should not be hurting to love somebody unless you're doing something wrong. So, yep, y'all need to do something about these toxic relationships that these singers are. they just singing y'all all up into toxic. And, Ed, I can confirm right now, Ashanti and I were never in a relationship. We were in an entanglement. We're out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting out of here because I'm going to throw up. All right. We're out. I'll talk to you next week, and hopefully we'll have Tom back as well. We out.